the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into hour three. Uh, neither rain nor snow nor sleet nor hail will stop Brandon Weikert. He is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. He is also a senior editor at the great website 1945.com. And he will write as fast as you read. My gosh, he's given us a lot to talk about. Brandon, thanks for being with us, as always. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, all, I'm all right. Thanks for asking. You, how are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Fighting I'm a little bit of a here. head cold, but uh, we'll get through I'm it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I, I don't get them very often. I, I yeah. It's been several years. I don't know what I did wrong to catch this, but... Well, if you can put you up know, with my uh, with my <laughs> one of those, you're 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 on the right. So I'm sure that somebody has programmed the disease to get you, <laughs> so you would stop spreading the truth. You know? <laughs> well, let's talk about this for a moment on that topic. Fox News might regret firing Tucker Carlson. You could not avoid this being really one of the biggest okay. stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're already up and at him on this issue. I literally just submitted that like probably 45 minutes ago. And they called. say it was published four seconds ago. So. Okay. <laughs> um, this was uh, major news today, obviously. Surprising news. Uh, walk us through your initial thoughts. Uh, my initial thoughts is that I knew a big a big whale was going to get axed. I did not believe it was going to be Tucker. Biggest... I thought it was going to be more. I thought it was going to be either Laura Ingram or uh, the great Maria Bartiromo. Uh-huh. Uh, I have heard from, as you know, I have some still from my days working in media. I, I have some connections at Fox, not like I used to. Um, and I have heard through them that there is still a lot of water cooler talk yeah. that actually Tucker is just the start yeah. and that they are over the next few weeks to maybe a month going to be gutting uh, or simply choosing not to renew uh, contracts for Ingram, Bartiromo, uh, and maybe maybe even Sean Hannity, although I don't think Hannity's on the chopping block. Um, but um, the the key the key thing here is severity of uh, propagation of what now the law says is um, uh, uh, scandalous or um, libelous, rather uh, talk about the Dominion voting system yeah. related to the potential. 2020 presidential election being stolen or hacked somehow by nefarious third parties trying to give the election to Joe Biden rather than Donald Trump. Now that the courts have ruled that is in fact libel against Dominion, uh, and or rather I should say that that Rupert Murdoch, as head of News Corps, the parent company of Fox News and Fox Business, has ruled, has decided to settle yeah. for 787 million dollars uh, with. Dominion voting system that is an implicit acknowledgement that you can't say that anymore without risking a massive lawsuit coming your way. Yeah. Uh, and so um, Fox News is definitely, well, this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the first time Fox has gotten rid of a big, you know, much beloved 
popular, uh, well-paid uh, 8 p.m. host. Remember the great Bill O'Reilly? Yeah, Hard to believe. Nobody talks about him anymore. But for my entire life, Bill O'Reilly was the kind of the, the flagship yeah. over at uh, Fox. No one could imagine Fox without him. And he even yeah. made it into the first year of the Trump administration. And then he just was disappeared. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, one of the characters from the Marvel movies, yeah. when they snap their fingers and they're gone. Yeah. Um, Fox survived. The problem is, Tucker is far more in his prime at this point in his career than O'Reilly was when they got rid of him in 2017. And the problem also is is that nobody, and I mean nobody else on Fox, is bringing in the numbers of ratings that Tucker was. And so this is going to be a huge hit. I think people are wrong to say the billion-dollar decline in uh, News Corp or uh, News Corp's market share is because of the Tucker Carlson finding. That's not accurate. I know people on our side have been saying that, and I get they want to you know boost Tucker. But the reason that that market share went down really was the settlement. Yeah. Uh, but this is not going to help that. And the, the difference between getting rid of O'Reilly in 2017 and getting rid of, rid of uh, uh, Carlson today, as I noted in the piece, is that in 2017 they had a bunch of newcomers in Fox who were quickly rising to replace the old guard. Tucker Carlson was one of them. Today, I don't really know, um, you know, who would be the big name that would be moved in. Maybe Greg Gutfeld, but he's very different in style and yeah, demeanor yeah. from either Bill O'Reilly or Tucker, the two men who previously held that vaunted 8 p.m. time slot. That's right. And <clears throat> it's interesting. You threw Hannity's name in there for a while. And Jesse Waters. And as Jesse well. Waters, That's of wh- course. Who I heard. Yeah. For yeah. a while, Hannity was kind of the identity of Fox, uh, or at least the face and identity. And then Bill O'Reilly, uh, equally, if not more so, um, he being dispatched, you raised the question, you know, it didn't do lasting damage to Fox when he was dispatched. And I, and I almost wonder. If it'll be a slightly different thing, because when he left, yeah, for, 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 for one thing, when he left, Fox was still beloved by almost the entirety of the conservative movement. Whereas lately, as you know, there's been there's been a lot of conservative doubt about Fox. The other thing is Bill O'Reilly was more of a I don't care what people say. He was more of a cultural commentator than a political one. And yeah. Tucker Tucker in many respects addresses far more political far more political concerns and far more political uh institutions and entities. Uh so it's 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 well, you know, I think he's I think he's I mean, I, O'Reilly was definitely a traditional social conservative. He talked yeah, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, oh, oh, Tucker though spends a lot of time talking about really kind of esoteric. Uh, oh, I agree with issues. you on that. But Bill O'Reilly yeah. didn't get invited to conventions on conservatism, and he wasn't seen as sure. a new spokesman right. for You're conservatism right. Right. or the new right or that sort of thing. He kind of right. didn't right. do that in the way nope. that. You're nope. right. You're Tucker right. Tucker does a great job on 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 the cultural issues, and of late has been even doing more. But he's also kind of the prized best first get as a speaker at these kind of yeah. new right uh, or yeah. new conservative movement type things. In a way, O'Reilly wasn't, which makes one wonder, you know, if Fox is going to be having uh, having having immolated itself over this unless they get a replacement. And if there is another head to go, my gosh, they uh, they really may be bearing uh, the brand that took them. So long to build. 1996, yeah. I think they went on air. Yeah, yeah, and and I mentioned this in the article, if I remember correctly, um, that uh, and I wrote this in American Greatness at the time of O'Reilly's firing. The the new generation of Murdoch 
uh, yeah. the Murdochs, the, the, the kids. Right. I guess they're not kids, they're in their 40s now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, 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 the new generation are all liberal or, or center-left or center-right, but emphasis on center. They're not conservative. Uh, and they're, they all, beginning with the rise of Trump, because mostly of their wives, who were all lefties, uh, they were desperate to try to pull the Fox News brand away from the, the decisively right wing that had made it and turn it into a more moderate, like a slightly right CNN. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, th- that was really the direction of the company after O'Reilly was fired. But then the kids were sort of isolated away after a while. Uh, and Murdoch Rupert took took on more direct control yeah. again, yeah. and it got back on track. But now, um, you know, it, it seems like I think Murdoch, I think the Murdochs as a group are making a strategic calculation that the next generation is definitely, on average, more liberal than the previous generations. The generation after the current generation of millennials is even more liberal uh, across the board. The, the Zoomers, they're even more liberal than the millennials are. So if we want to survive and thrive in the new media environment long term, we're going to need to change our our appeal. Hmm. And I think this is part of a strategic calculation, but I think this is putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the Notre Dame made this mistake when they got rid of Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz was the greatest, you know, coach, and Notre Dame, one of the great coaches in Notre Dame history. Right. They got rid of him thinking that the reason he was great was not because he was a great coach necessarily, but because the institution yeah. was so good. Yeah. So you could just replace the head, bring in somebody of less stature, and it would still be great. Yeah. Well, we learned with Dave Wonstadt, uh, you know, that was not the case for, for decades. Notre Dame languished. Uh, and until they got Brian Kelly, and then look what he did, not that great. That he, but, but anyway, the point is that the, 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 I think the Murdochs believe the organization, the institution of Fox News and Fox Business is greater than the individual, uh, uh, the man of Tucker Carlson. I think that's in this case, might be a mistake. I, I think it's generally a mistake, especially in the conservative. I don't think they're going to die, though. I no, they're I, no, they're too big to fail, in, to borrow right. a phrase, but I think it's a mistake in conservative um, in in conservative world to think that the institution is more important. I, I think we're better at recognizing chefs than restaurants. You could give me, you know, Brandon Weikert, and to be honest, on any given day, you know, someone may not know where you wrote something or cite to where you wrote it, but they'll say Brandon Weikert wrote it. Um, if you have a great author, we don't really talk about their publishing houses anymore. We just know who the author is. If you had a great right. think tank fellow, um, you know, a Charles Murray type or what have you, people don't really think of their institution. They think of him. And I think that's where the conservative movement and perhaps the Murdoch family may be at a disconnect. They're doing restaurants. We're doing chefs. Let me take a quick commercial right. break, and we'll be right back with more from Brandon Weikert. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest. He is a uh, senior editor at 1945.com, 1945.com, contributor the Washington Times, the Asia Times, so many great outlets, and the author of several important books. We'll talk more about them in a bit, too. I want to go through Brandon's columns. Speaking of chefs, another great chef, <laughs> Ron DeSantis, you write about how Disney plans to beat Ron DeSantis. I have to tell you, Brandon, you and I have talked before about the fight between DeSantis and Trump. 
it was a little odd to me, uh, and a little more than odd, I have to say, that Donald Trump would first go after Ron DeSantis for taking on Disney, but then right. second go after Ron DeSantis as mismanaging Florida. I mean, it just it right. seems odd, and yet, and yet, I have to tell you, there's a feel that Trump is on the rise and DeSantis is on the decline. There is a feel to this. Well, this, the, I think it's very obvious he is. Um, that Trump is on the rise. Uh, it's pathetic, the attacks that the Trump world has lobbed against DeSantis yeah. across the board. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if I were advising the Trump people, and, you know, they're, they're, they're psychotic now, so I, I wouldn't be the better here. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're, if I were advising them, I would say the better tactic would be to, to attack specifically this Disney thing, because it's blowing up in DeSantis's face, uh, and it's going to go south on DeSantis real quick, and it's starting to right now. Um, instead of going after DeSantis's management of Florida, and I mean, you know, Trump is simultaneously taking credit, and it's unbelievable the way it evolved from "I helped get him into office" yeah. to "The man owes me everything. Right. I made him. I put him there." And yeah. the, the Florida voters had nothing to do with to that. Ba- and now see right. how bad he's doing. Yes, right. Right, and so it's a little jarring to hear that on the one hand, and then hear about how. Florida was always doing great, yeah. even when Democrats were running it. And oh, by the way, DeSantis is awful. And I don't know why you would want you know to pick this guy as your next president, Republicans. Even though I made this guy and put him where he is as the former. president. You don't brag about a failure, partner. long and short. Of right. It. It's just you know, it's just it's mealy mouth. It's, you know, it's it's undisciplined. But that's the that's sort of the the the, the, the trademark of the Trump move. You know, the, the Trump campaign, I should say. Uh, which is undisciplined, and uh, it's worked for him, though. I mean, I you know, I can't, you know, he won in 2016 because of that. Of course, he lost 2018, 2020, and 2022 in large part because of that, and it's very interesting if you look at the polls that have come out today alone uh, that indicate that you're right, that Trump is definitely in the ascendancy on the right, but when you go to a national general election level, you know, yeah. Biden's numbers are awful, right. and it's all related to the economy, and yet... He's still seven points yeah. higher yeah. across the board in approval rating compared to Donald Trump. Yet, if you replace Donald Trump with general, or sorry, you replace Donald Trump with average uh, Republican nominee, or or, or um, I should say g- generic Republican Republican nominee, it, the numbers flip, and yeah. Biden loses by six or seven points. Yeah. So the problem is personality. Trump turns off the general election voters. He sweeps the floor with Republican voters. He's got a 68 percent, you know, rallying behind him. DeSantis doesn't stand a chance right now. Um, but the problem is Trump could sweep the, 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 the primary election and then get absolutely walloped in the general by Sleepy Joe. Sleepy Joe all over again. Do, do you think it is uh, there's anything to speculation that Ron DeSantis is maybe slow walking and thinking twice about getting into the race? I mean, he's doing a lot that indicates he is running, but there is yeah, an I awful mean, lot of chatter that you know, maybe he doesn't want to have this fight. I don't want to. I, I, I shouldn't even say anything more than I have, but I will. This is why I get in trouble. Um, whoever is advising the DeSantis quote-unquote campaign, because, of course, it's not official yet, 
they really need to have their heads examined because they're right that they needed to change the, the, the media's attention away from Trump, away from Trump's grievances, away from the fact that Trump is obviously being wrongly prosecuted here uh, for the, uh, the the Alvin Bragg, you know, Stormy Daniels thing in Manhattan. They needed to do something in DeSantis' world to change that narrative. But the absolute wrong thing to do was to send DeSantis out of the country. I do not understand this. In their minds, I know what they're thinking. We're going to get this guy and his wife. We're going to make them look like the president and the first lady. Get him with all these world leaders. Get these great photo ops. He's going to look calm, cool, and collected. And that's going to change the narrative, and it'll, it'll build over time. It'll percolate. We don't live in that kind of media environment. People don't look back and go, oh, wow, you were right. We, you, you live in the, the, the tweet world. You live in the Instagram world of now, 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 feed, 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 feed. And that world is inherently primed against Republicans, especially competent Republicans like DeSantis. DeSantis should have not left Florida. He should have been down here. His constituency is here. His power base is here. He should have been, you know, a governing and everyday posting about the successful governance he's doing as basically the president of Florida. And instead, he's out of the country. He's out of the area. You know, we had this horrible flood in Fort Lauderdale, which is now more ammunition for the Trump people to use. And boy, have they ever. You know, he's he's now getting, you know, getting end run by uh, uh, Disney, which was always Disney's plan. This was all, I mean, Bob Iger is a very wily guy. He knew that DeSantis walked right into this trap, which basically was, DeSantis is looking big right now. He's putting us on our heels, and we're not swinging back, really. But once he goes after Reedy Creek Improvement District, which is where Walt Disney is built, uh, and it was a special agreement that ha- was hatched in 1962 between the state of Florida and the Walt Disney Corporation that enticed Walt Disney to build Walt Disney World down here. Basically, it gives Disney its own fiefdom in Florida. Um, DeSantis took away that, that fiefdom, and, and he put a, a board in charge of that improvement district, all of whom are DeSantis uh, loyalists from the Republican Party of Florida, um, the Disney Corporation used an arcane rule going back to King George III. Uh, I think it was the, the law of perpetuity, uh, basically where uh, the, the governor can't do that, basically. And they sued him based on that law. The judge liked the argument that Disney made. And now DeSantis is going to be bogged down for years in the court system. He's not going to win anything, and this is going to periodically come up in the news, and it's going to always make him look bad at the way wrong time. Because I think the left and the corporatocracy very badly want Trump as the Republican nominee, because they know he's the only one of the Republicans that Joe Biden can decisively defeat. That's interesting. Yeah, I I, um, I, I think that the, um, the, the take on the taking on of corporations is going to be a bigger and bigger theme. Uh, it's going to be, ha- and that's why DeSantis yeah. was right to do yeah. what he did. Right, right. He's right that he was challenging very abusive corporate power. But he he now he now needs to figure out an exit strategy because this is not, if he's really going to run. I think twenty twenty four is the only time he can do it. It's becoming increasingly impossible for him to run effectively. By the way, for those that say he should wait and run in 2028, and you and I have never believed that that was a good strategy, it looks less good by the day. It looks less good by the day. Let me take a quick commercial break. Can you give us a little bit of a primer of what's going on with the Sudan when we come right back? Happily. Happily. Another Biden failure. Uh, Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, that poor country. I mean, my God, first they had to 
lived through uh, Omar Bashir. What was his name? Yeah, Omar Bashir and now this. I'm Seth Leibson. He is Brandon Weikert. You can follow him on Twitter, very active Twitter feed, at WeTheBrandon, W-E the Brandon. And he spells his last name, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. Forget my nasalness, folks. I'm fighting a little head cold. I'll be fine, but thanks for putting up with it. Brandon and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest, author of several books, including Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. China has an interest in country I want to get a primer from on what's going on there now, namely Sudan. Brandon, uh, if, it was, if it wasn't the North versus South and Islam versus Christianity about 20 years ago, then about half again of that, we had the issues of Darfur, which I think was really more about racial uh, racial cognizance. Uh, what's going on now? What, we have uh, we have an attempt to evacuate, but we also have two warlords going after it, uh, Hammer and right. Tong, right? Right. One of those warlords, his power base is in Darfur, yep. and... Um, I already spoke to uh, somebody via email at State Department, and apparently there's already been a crisis meeting about uh, preparing for the, the bloodbath of Darfur to reignite very soon as this war leaches beyond Khartoum, the capital city of Sudan. So it's, it, it's, it's like all of the worst aspects of yep. the last 30 years are going to be coming out into the fray all at once over the next few weeks. Um, and I would just like to add that, you know, from Kabul to Khartoum, uh, the the Biden administration ensures that we're doomed. I mean, this is another another evacuation in 18 months. Another another loss. And people may not be thinking about Sudan and South Sudan, which was a country that we split off yep. from Sudan. Right. Um, but the fact of the matter is, going back to George W. Bush, the United States invested tens, if not hundreds, of billions of dollars into Sudan. In fact, they used to joke. That in Sudan, that George W. Bush was the unofficial president. I remember of that. Sudan. Yeah. Um, uh, and in South Sudan, they say that George W. Bush was the creator yeah. of South Sudan. Right. Obama invested now not as much as Bush did, uh, but Obama invested billions of dollars and much time and resources into the Sudan issue. Uh, Trump kept going with it as well. So for three presidencies, even though we didn't hear about it all the time, and when we did hear about it, it sounded far away and, you know, whatever, um, it was a very significant amount of time, resources, personnel, and money that we were throwing into this area. And again, we're walking away from it overnight, just yeah. like we did with, with Kabul, just like we did with Afghanistan. Um, and so this is really a, a terrible a terrible event for multiple reasons. Of course, the human, human you know, tragedy. But the fact is also there, they evacuated yet again the U.S. diplomatic and military personnel from the embassy, but they left 15,000 American passport holders behind in the country. And the cluster of them, the most of them, are in and around the capital city of Khartoum, which is where the civil war is raging right now. But it will expand beyond that. And I would assume that um, the Americans in Sudan will be targeted as the situation deteriorates. The country is already without running water and electricity and Internet. So you see some Americans left undefended, uh, you know, and not knowing what to do or where to go, knowing the Americans aren't coming back anytime soon. Look at how many Americans are still languishing in Afghanistan, even though the administration is lying to us about the fact that there are no, there are hardly any Americans left there. Um, the, 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 the people, the, mil- the military in Sudan, and maybe even those Russian Wagner Group mercenaries, 
might start saying, let's put some bounties on these Americans and really go to town. Um, and so it's another failure of the Biden administration. But at least Tony Blinken has really perfected the whole, you know, the patient died, but the surgery was still a success. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, he was, uh, it's just incredible that, that he is, the, his, his demeanor on camera when these things happen is just, it's incredible. Like, this is, everything's fine. We're normal. This, this is going according to plan. It's like, dude, nothing is going according to plan. Absolutely nothing. I got another email from somebody I know who, who does human rights work who was evacuated uh, from the embassy, and he wrote to me, and he's former Army, and his email to me was, Weikert, this thing is a total SH show right now. Yeah, yeah. And so whatever they're saying on the news, just like with Kabul, uh, they're covering for Biden. The, Bi- the Biden administration was caught with their pants down again, and their rear end's hanging out, and now America's enemies are taking shots at that exposed rear end. You've got China moving in hard right now to Africa, not just Sudan, but across the region. And specifically, you've got the Russians have been in Sudan for years. In fact, you could maybe even make the argument what's going on right now between these two fighting warlords is a result of Russian uh, uh, meddling and Russian uh, uh, incitement. And so this is, this is possibly a, a play for the, the vast gold mines that exist in Sudan. Also, we know that Russia and China ping-ponged off each other to pull the Middle East away from the Americans a few weeks ago. I think they might be doing something similar in Africa. The Russians not only want Sudan for its uh, 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 gold, they also want Sudan for its naval port. They have a huge port in Sudan, and the Russian Navy has long desired to build a naval base at the port, and the new government of Sudan is likely to give uh, the Russians <laughs> that opportunity, depending on which side wins the civil war. Let so me hold you right there, Brandon. Okay. Let me take a quick break, pick up on that, and a little bit more about Antony Blinken, who's in the news for reasons I'm sure he wish he weren't. Brandon J. Weikert is my guest. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Pardon my little cold here, folks, but uh, Brandon Weikert has been uh, generous with his time as our guest. Brandon, you were mentioning uh, Anthony Blinken's name. The guy is so off the charts ineffectual, it seems to me, that if you were to put up his picture in most uh, on most television screens in America and then John Kirby's picture, people would think John Kirby is the Secretary of State because he is out there a lot more than Antony Blinken. And I wonder if it's because Blinken is just ineffectual. I, I mean, Kirby isn't what he used to be either. But this this Antony Blinken's now with his fingers all over this Hunter Biden laptop story as being um, identified by Michael Morell. This this could be people thought Mayorkas might be the first to go. It could be Blinken. I don't know what your thought is. Blinken, I would be very surprised. Blinken has been Biden's bagman for decades. Blinken has also been heavily integrated with the Clinton cabal. Blinken was also the the, the aide de camp for John Kerry. Too big to fail again. To, yeah, yeah, okay. it's a too big to fail thing. I think that if he goes down, all the dominoes would fall. And uh, you know, I. I I think that that Blinken is a made man, and uh, you know you don't you don't take out the made men. We yeah. saw what happens to Joe Pesci, and right. uh, uh, yeah, anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, you, we, I don't want to give any spoilers. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but uh, you, you know, you don't right. take out the made man unless you're going to really pay for it at the end. Um, so Blinken has done his his servant to the devil, 
and uh, he's not going away. Uh, Mayorkas is probably still going to be the first one to fall because nobody really likes the guy, and he's kind of a clown anyway. Um, but um, I, you know, I just want to finish the point I was making before the break, which is that yes, on we were told we were told we we have to basically risk nuclear World War III with Russia over Ukraine. We have to fight the Russian military through Ukraine in Ukraine in order to break them there so we don't have to fight the Russians elsewhere. Well, guess what? We're now having to fight the Russians elsewhere. The Russians are not losing that war because if they were, they wouldn't be able to have any troops anywhere else around the world, whether they were Russian Wagner Group or Russian military. And the fact now that in the next six to eight months, we are probably going to be looking at the establishment of a major Russian naval base in the port of Sudan if that doesn't indicate how bad American foreign policy has failed since Joe Biden took power, I don't know what will. We went in and we're risking nuclear World War III with Russia to contain Russia, supposedly, in Europe. And yet Russian power, thanks to their new partnerships with, with China and even to a degree with India, Russian power is expanding as in the ways it hasn't since the end of the, of the Cold War, or I should say at the height of the Cold War. And is it not true that China, I remember China's involvement in Sudan as well. I mean, it just, we're, well, we, we, are, we are the odd man out in Africa right now, it seems like. But you know, maybe we're the odd man out everywhere, maybe. We are, we basically, we now look like we are the destabilizing, unstable force, whereas now the countries of China and or Russia, even Iran, now to the rest of the, the, the well, this is really making a play for the developing world's yeah. hearts and minds. Yeah. And so, in the eyes of the non-aligned developing world countries, the Chinese and the Russians just bought, brought peace to the Middle East. The the Russians, in the eyes of the developing world, were the aggrieved party with Ukraine because the, it was NATO that kept expanding closer and closer to to Russia. Never right. mind that we, you and I, both know the Russians were doing things as well. But I'm talking about the perspective of the developing world, which is already inherently anti-American on some level. They want to do business with us, but they don't trust us because of cultural, historical, and let's face it, racial issues. And let's face it, Marxism has a deep hold there, ideologically. Um, so they're inherently inclined to not like us, but they still were doing business and seeking greater involvement with the West until very recently. And the Chinese and the Russians in particular have been able to use that to their advantage. And and now in Africa, it's looking like China's bringing all these development deals, no strings attached. Of course, you and I both know there are lots of strings attached, but not the kinds of moral strings that turn off the rest of the developing world. Um, Russia now is there with these, quote, peacekeeping operations where they're supposedly trying to provide stability so that the Chinese aid money then can hit the markets and and, you know, do business and stabilize the economy overall. Well, you know, they're, they're triangulating us, and they're making us look like we're the ones who won't drop these divisive moral issues. They're making it look like we're the ones who are have prolonged the conflicts in Africa and the Middle East. We're the ones who started the fight with the Ukraine. We're the ones who are starting the potential war over Taiwan with China. And that is the, the line of, of ideological and propaganda attacks that Beijing and Moscow are using, and it's working. Because Washington doesn't know how to counter it, because on some level, Washington doesn't want to counter it, because they're led by a group of people who also believe that America is inherently evil and racist and bigoted, and that we do need to atone, that we do need to be cut down to size. Remember, Anthony Blinken was the guy who was quoted in the Ryan Lizza 2011 New Yorker piece where he said that Joe Biden was advising, the then Vice President Biden, 
at the behest of Anthony Blinken, who was Biden's national security advisor when he was vice president. It was Blinken who told the, the press that Obama was seriously thinking about embracing the Biden doctrine of leading from behind. Yeah. And so this is the mentality of the people who are leading the Biden administration. And so it shouldn't be a surprise that from Kabul to Khartoum, America is in retreat everywhere. And the worst, worst players on the world stage are looking like they're the best and they're going to get us by the short year. Because in many respects, they already do have us there and we don't have a fighter in office. Yeah, I I remember when that article came out. And if I'm if I'm not mistaken, it was initially about Libya and France, Mm -hmm. France kind of shaming us into 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 action and you just you just think about you just think about when we're being shamed by france and then we get shamed by the aftermath of what we did do with libya boy i you know george bush is owed an apology on iraq when you look at barack obama's foreign policy adventures Uh, and this one obama barack obama took what bush did in iraq and he said i'm going to do it to six other countries oh and by the way i'm then going to create an unconstitutional kill list yep you know the, the amount of damage to our intelligence-gathering capabilities that Obama did over his eight years, this is why Obama turned on Flynn, by the way, because yep. Flynn brought this up to Obama. Uh, the, the, the drone program was not only unconstitutional and unethical, but the drone program, by killing those guys, the targeted people that we killed, we weren't able to collect any intel off them. So we didn't know who would replace them. Yep. We didn't know if those people would be worse. Yep. We didn't know what those people's objectives would be. We didn't yep. know what their met- methods methods and, and, and operations would be like the people we killed we just created black holes yep. to be filled by even worse players That's but right. obama didn't care because nope. obama wanted to have the kill count to campaign on in 20, 2012 and he did <sighs> brandon thank you thank you for all your time and all your scholarship and all your work until next week okay buddy until Godspeed. we meet again you betcha i'm seth i'll be right back Folks, when you think about our economy, whether it's uh, stock market volatility or the failing banks and the recession on the horizon, you want to take a look at what our friends at Y-Refi are offering up. It's a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the Fed or the stock market. It's an investment in a portfolio where your income can be turned on or off by you compound it, whatever you like, no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. True freedom. There are no fees in this investment that delivers a high fixed rate of return. How high? 10.25% rate of return. That's right, 10.25% fixed rate. Why Refi is local. I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch and no one's going to ask you to sign anything. When you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like them and trust them so much, and you will too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give this due diligence approved firm a call at 888-Y-REFI-34, 888-Y-REFI-34. Famous, uh, one of the most famous, there's probably three or four very famous essays on foreign policy. George Kennan's would be one. Another would be Jim Kirkpatrick's Dictatorships and Double Standards, outlining in 1979 the failures of the Carter administration. And she opened it up by writing, The failure of the Carter administration's foreign policy is now clear to everyone except its architects, and they must entertain private doubts from time to time as well. 
Um, I think the uh, failures of the Biden administration's foreign policy is not only clear to everyone. I think it's also clear to our allies, and I think it's clear to our competitors, and I think it's clear to our enemies. And I don't think that this administration does have compunctions about it. I don't think that they do entertain private doubts. I agree with Brandon. I think they sit back and hope for the best because they don't really have a foreign policy leadership of any credibility whatsoever. It's not the vice president, and Joe Biden is at best checked out. Today, they just lost Susan Rice, who is a kind of a national security expert retreaded from the Obama administration. My guess is she's going to go over to the campaign. But it raises an interesting question, and here's a test. I was on a call with really smart people this morning, a conference call. I said, you want to get a test of how empty and vacuous the White House leadership is right now? Name me Joe Biden's chief of staff. I could count to 30, and I bet you wouldn't get it. That should tell you something, shouldn't it? Especially when you have a president who really needs one. All right, folks, chin up. Sun will come out tomorrow. David, thank you for everything. Thanks for putting up with my uh, with my little head cold here. We'll be better tomorrow. God bless you all. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth Liebson, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 